had the totem pole in 1959, there were a few of the elders who were really against me doing it. And I didn't realize until years later the reason why they were afraid. They were afraid. They, they thought we were going to end up in jail. They were afraid of that law that forbid us from practicing our culture. First People's Fund presents the Collective Spirit Podcast. The Collective Spirit moves each of us to stand up and make a difference, to pass on ancestral knowledge and simply extend a hand of generosity. The Collective Spirit Podcast features Native artists and culture bearers who discuss the power of Indigenous art and culture. My name is Robert Davidson. My father name is Oak Sandlund, Eagle of Padon. My mother is from Heidelberg. We are matrilineal, so I'm from Heidelberg, but I was brought up on Heidegwai in Masset. My father is from Masset. We're a branch of the Haida called the Kigani Haida in Alaska, up on Prince of Wales Island. My main mediums are wood, silver and gold, painting, singing, composing new Haida songs with the Rainbow Creek dancers. We choreographed um, new dances based on stories from my grandparents' generation. I learned my carving starting with my father and then with my grandfather, and later on with other artists, such as Bill Reed, Doug Cranmer, and I've been working in the medium, the art, Haida style, since 1959. But I didn't really become fluent in the art form until about 1972, when I felt I was finally able to create my own design. My father instilled and read my brother and my sister that we had to learn our own way. My grandfather, he said that even when I don't have any order or commission, keep working. So I didn't really have any other desires to work as a plumber or a truck driver. My my main focus has always been the art. And all the doors kept opening up for me to continue being an art artist. Every turn I would be commissioned to uh, create totem poles or mad masks, and also working with my grandparents, Nani and Chinny, there was a, a, a real blank, a vacuum, culturally. And so, as I was learning from Nani of our history, through the song, through the dances and and stories, I, I was really driven to fill that void. 
by learning the songs, by learning what the meanings of the, behind each mask, behind each song, and also contributing to ceremony, learning about ceremony through Nani and her generation. So I, every, all the avenues kept opening up for me to continue being an artist. And as I learned more and more about the art from the old masters, creations that are housed in museums, I, I really wanted to become fluent in the alphabet of the Northwest Coast art that was created by the old masters. My inspiration has been seeing the void, the emptiness. I moved away from Mathis and I made quite a few visits back home and seeing the art in the museum that were created by the old masters, and I was blown away by the quality. And when I would go back home, there was absolutely no evidence of that great art that was created there. And so that's when I committed to carving a torn pole to present to the village. I didn't realize how important that gesture was to the old people, to my grandparents' generation, because they were living in that void. They weren't allowed to participate in our ceremonies, sing our songs, and dance, and then and, and potlatch, host feasts, outside of Christmas dinners and, and picnic. Up to the present moment, because of the trauma we lived through, many people who left our homeland to live in the cities or urban areas, they never ever wanted to go home because of that trauma they experienced. So I hosted two, what I called urban peace in Vancouver, so that the hideout in the urban areas could experience our peace, our ceremonies. And I was so blown away on how many people came out of hiding or came out of the woodwork. The gym was just packed with hideouts who never, ever went home for decades. I overheard one gentleman greeting another friend of his. He said, wow, I haven't seen you for 50 years. And when I started to carve argillite, the only place you can get the quality of argillite is on Haidekwai, of this quality that's carvable. There were five gentlemen in Mathet, and they were all in my grandparents' generation that were carving, but it didn't have the same quality as the old masters. The reason for that is the arts went into a very dark period for 40 to 50 years, and in Skidigat, the other surviving Haida village, there were the same amount of men carving, and in Masset, there were about five or six basket weavers, and they were all in my grandparents' generation. Today, it's 
absolutely amazing how many people are connecting to our ceremony, and I feel a lot of it had to do it with the art. To do the art, you really have to know the history from the old masters, and also it, it, it triggers memory. Today there are, I was able to name all the people carving. Today I can't even do that because right down to my grandchildren generation. So I didn't hear my first pilot song until I was 16. Today, even before the babies are born, they're hearing pilot song. When the Rainbow Creek with Reg and I, when we introduced a new dance and a new song, I thought it was a, a new dance. It was the salmon dance to welcome back the salmon. And an, an elder of mine was really moved. He said, whoa, I haven't seen that dance for a long time. So it made me think that we have a cosmic memory. Like the role of an artist is to tap into that cosmic memory. I was so excited when I heard that because I was quite nervous when read the Rainbow Creek introduced that, that new song and new dance. So obviously we were tapping into uh, a cosmic memory. When I carved the totem pole in 1969, there were a few of the elders who were really against me doing it. And I didn't realize until years later the reason why they were afraid. They were afraid. They, they thought we were going to end up in jail. They were afraid of that law that forbid us from practicing our culture. But my family were very supportive. I, I, I know I could not have completed the project without family support. My dad, for example, he found the tree for the torn pole, and Red, my younger brother, he never carved before. After school, he committed to carving for the summer with me. And my aunties, my grandparents, like they all were 100% in support of this project. And further to that, my grandparents hosted meetings with the elders, with their generation, at their home, so that the elders can talk about how the totem pole would be raised. And they had a four or five meetings over the summer while we were carving the totem pole. And after, like, everybody had a chance to speak. And it was all in Haida. So I would sit with one of my uncles, and they would interpret to me what was being said. After every meeting, my grandfather, Chinny, 
would get the drum out and they would sing songs and they would dance. And it was a real joyful time leading up to the pole raising. But it took me years to grasp the impact the tonal pole was going to make. Fortunately, I tape recorded the songs that were being sung. Then I had learned the songs, and my grandmother, Nani, would translate and help me with the correct pronunciation. And that created the foundation to revive ceremony and to revive the dances with the masks. But it all came from my grandparents' generation. We gave voice to that generation. And now all these songs are sung. My brother Ridgeworth taught me there was a little boy across the street from where he lived, and he was singing Ida songs by himself. So it's a real reawakening. What keeps me working? I feel there's still a lot of void that we need to fulfill. One of the, the most challenging will be how do we lay to rest the trauma? How can we work through it and let it be part of our journey, but not something that will hold us back? The Collective Spirit Podcast is produced by First Peoples Fund, whose mission is to honor and support Indigenous artists and culture bearers through grant-making initiatives, culturally rooted programming, and training and mentorship. Learn more at firstpeoplesfund.org.